This is an AMI podcast. The world would be a different place if Adam was allergic to apples. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review, the weekly podcast where we chat all things audiobooks. I'm your host, Ramia Amuddin, and I'm here with Nisreen Abdel-Majid. We've followed the long weekend of Labor Day, which is why I picked this quote, because I had a candy apple, and candy apples are a total childhood reminder for me, and as an adult, having them was just super nostalgic. So this quote about apples, but, you know, candy apples in my head, is by Marin Godmenko. And anybody candy apple? Because I'll take one. Let's take a look at the CELA homepage for our featured titles. We got some brand new titles this week at the CELA homepage, the Center for Equitable Library Access at celalibrary.ca. Asphalt Prophecy by Pitta C.U.'s Lore, and this is an adventure story. We also have The Queer Evangelist by Sherry DeNovo, and this is an LGBTQ plus biography, so we'll chat about that in a couple of weeks. Twice a Quincinera by Damel Said Mendez, and this is a contemporary romance, and that's it for the three books we have up there. Nazreen, I want to toss it over to you because we have some audiobook news that we want to definitely highlight. Yeah, so authors and publishers organizations are calling on the new UK Prime Minister, Liz Truss, to abolish the last remaining tax on reading, ensure schools have funding for author visits, and invest in libraries. According to The Guardian, with the cost of living crisis taking hold, the publishing industry hopes Truss and her government will bring in a range of measures to ensure people from all backgrounds are able to access books easily. And Remya, I'm thinking that libraries should be on the top of the agenda because, and I know a lot of people would disagree with this thought because uh, now, you know, open access to the internet, not a lot of people attend, go into the library, but some don't have access to that at home Mm -hmm. or, or anywhere else. So it should be accessible all year round. And, um, and that's why I think they should you know, build more libraries. And I know that publishers and authors are working on that. So never know. You never know. And, you know, this is a huge, huge thing to think about um, that, A, it's making waves, right? Like it's making waves in news right now. Um, and that the the newly appointed prime minister is uh, saying, hey, this is top of mind and we do want to eliminate any barriers to reading period. Um, and of course, you know, audiobooks and ebooks are the first things that we think about because as part of the disability community, we're always exposed mm-hmm. to these alternate means of reading, quote unquote. But um, yeah, like you said, you know, you might not be going to the library physically all the time because in your own situation, that's not necessarily a need, a necessity for you, but that's not the case for everybody else out there. And if we were to really dig deep into um, still the amount of challenges that people face with reading, just literacy, uh, access, you know, people who have to travel and travel to get access to anything, um, education, et cetera, et cetera. We really do underestimate the values that libraries still hold today in 2022. 
a lot of people don't think about how many barriers there are when it comes to reading and literacy, which is insane because I never even thought about that until now. Exactly. I didn't, I never, I never thought about that until I started getting into books in general. Mm -hmm. And there are so many things that we can break those barriers. So I'm hoping that they can push forward with Liz Trust and the new government can make that change and make it better. For sure, Nisreen. And that's the thing, right? Like we always look up to our leaders. We always uh, look to our governments and say, hey, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? What's part of your agenda? Does this even show up for you? So the fact that it's one of the first things um, mentioned at all uh, is really promising and encouraging. And I and I hope fingers crossed that uh, it comes to fruition that the, the tax is taken off and that reading in libraries are um, shone a light on. This is AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast where we chat all things audiobooks and once a month we check in with our friend and contributor Sarah Hillis and she's back with another Know Your Narrator segment. So this is where we highlight some notable voices behind our favorite audiobook listens and really they're in front of the microphones but we don't always get to know who they are, what they do, how they got here. So it's very exciting for us to go through this once a month with you, Sarah. We got a good one today. Yeah, it's really cool. This was a listener slash contributor suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, Amr, but he was, is that how we... Yes, Amr yeah. suggested Amr, this one. But it, it's a popular name, yeah? It's very popular. I um I have several people that said, would you do Scott Brick? Would you do Scott Brick? So he, so that's what we're doing. We're doing Scott Brick. I mean, far be it from me to to deny what the people want, right? <laughs> so <laughs> give us what we want. Okay, awesome. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to um, chatting all about Scott Brick. But before that, I'm throwing you right in here. Are you reading anything good right now? I am. I'm reading a really good book by Emma Donahue. Uh, she's an Irish writer, but she lives in London, Ontario. And this is a book. Um, she writes all kinds of stuff. She wrote Room, if, you, if you've oh, ever seen yes. the movie. She wrote Room, and she's written a lot about Ireland. And this time she wrote an, a book about the 7th century in Ireland and some Celtic monks that go out on a voyage to find, a, you know, a place to have a monastery that's free from all the the, the the intrigues of you know modern quote unquote life you right. know from that time and they're gonna find uh, this island called Skellig Michael which is a real place and uh, wow. now there's puffins that roost there but you know it was a monastery way back in the day so oh, it's a it's a great book it's read uh, I forget the is it Aidan Kelly I think his name is it's a really nice narrator and it's really good okay and this is uh, not your first Emma Donahue book so no no yeah okay so super fan recommendation there you go okay awesome so as you said going back to know your narrator um, it was a Listener request by Amir Khan, who joins us at the end of the month, by the way. So check him out later this month. Um, but a big listener fan. Are you a fan personally? I am. I've only I've only heard a few of Scott Brick's books, but uh, I've loved what I've heard okay. um, for for several years now. So all right. So what do we want to know about him? Well, he was born in Santa Barbara, California, in 1956. 
He went to UCLA and studied acting and writing, and he's done both throughout his his life, uh, writing a lot for sci-fi magazines, fantasy magazines, because um, he's a total geek about all that stuff. He just loves everything to do with sci-fi and fantasy. And he also um, writes screenplays, and so he writes for, for professional kind of magazines as well about how to be a screenplay writer sort mm-hmm. of guy. And he, he's acted in Shakespeare, of course. They all, they all seem to act in Shakespeare. Uh, <laughs> so he, far, yeah. He acted for 10 years with the Will and Company in L.A., or based in L.A., and uh, did a bunch of different roles, including he was in the play Cyrano de Bergerac. I think he actually played Cyrano. He was in Hamlet and he was in Macbeth. And this is not verified. I've, I don't know if I could, I've verified it properly, but he actually um, um, has been listed somewhere online, I found, as a fight choreographer for, for movies and stuff like that. So he um. deals with sword fighting and all that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> and he's been in, apparently he was in Robin Hood Men in Tights and a couple of the sword fighting scenes. <laughs> Just an extra Again, it's not real, potential yeah. tidbit. So he started narrating in 1999, and by 2004, okay, so five years, and he started in the middle of 1999, so four and a half years, he is named uh, one of Audiophile Magazine's Golden Voices. He's he's already gotten a few awards by this point. It, It was a really sort of meteoric rise in the audio narration world for for him. Especially, I think it was the timing too, because because audiobooks were getting more airplay, as it were, uh, because of the internet starting up, and mm. you didn't have to just order things on CD all the time and that kind of thing. That's a so really good he- point, because, yeah, like now, you know, you Google audiobooks, and it's just everywhere. Not a lot of us are going, what? What are those? Um, but it's definitely not the case in the late 90s, early 2000s, and yet, you know, four and a half years into, like, from the start of his career he was booming as a narrator yeah yeah i mean everybody wanted him um audible has named him their most prolific narrator uh because with various companies he's narrated over 800 books in 23 years whoa what does that even look like (laughs) i don't even know (laughs) it's crazy so okay um, and he was writing too, which is another part we can get into. But it, the, anything else in the like the beginning of his career that was pretty um, good stepping stone or, or leaping off point for him? Yeah, he as he walked in in 1999 to Dove Audio to do an audition. This was his first audition for narration. Mm-hmm. He met a guy called Dan Musselman who was leaving Dove Audio to go to Penguin Audio, which is now Penguin Random House. And Dan said, here, have my card, you know, if you, if you want some work, we're going to be looking for some narrators soon, so, so give us a call. And Scott has now narrated over 60%, he thinks, of his narrations have been for Penguin slash Penguin Random House because of this Dan Musselman wow. guy. And he, and he absolutely, like, he's so grateful to this guy. He's, he's, not a, he's not an arrogant person at all. He's just like, look, this guy helped me get a career in this genre, in this, uh, profession and it's so great to see how grateful he just is Mm. for everything that he has that's fantastic to see in anybody right like people blooming in any kind of career even you know way down the line then they're just 
killing it out there and hustling for their money and all of this stuff, but they're still, uh, they remember how they got there and they remember the the people. Um, I love hearing those kind of stories, especially like firsthand in interviews and such when, when people say, yeah, this was the moment that helped me all these years later. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's great. Um, there was a good interview on Behind the Mic, the audiophile magazine podcast in 2019 that I got um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's just great to hear him just talk about his his career and stuff because it's been really interesting uh, at one point uh, he's actually started his own audio studio because there was um, a book series called the Chronicles of Thomas Covenant by Stephen R. Donaldson that that Penguin wanted I think it was Penguin wanted to do from book seven onward because that was those were the books that were starting to kind of take off okay. you know like the, the 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 people that love these books loved them, right? But they were more cult cult followings, I guess, for a while. Uh-huh. And but Penguin had no interest in doing the first six books. Seriously, because they're like passe, which is silly because it's a series, it's right? Series. But, so Scott said, "Well, I'm gonna can I can I buy the can I get the rights? I'm gonna try to get the rights." They're like, "Well, sure, start your own if you want to do that. Go ahead. We don't care because we're not gonna do it." So um, there's only one book that's not narrated by him apparently, and that's because. Uh, Penguin was doing the last four books, and so it, they went with another narrator for book nine, which I thought is silly, uh, but you know. <laughs> oh, at least we know who to blame, but, Penguin. But he did he did this just because he'd read the the first six books in, in you know in college and that kind mm. of thing, and he was like, "We have to have these in audio too." Like he just loves books, exactly. absolutely. He's a he's a reader's narrator. He's a writer's narrator. He just reads so much. Wow. Uh, and, and all kinds of stuff too, like whether he's narrating or reading it himself, like for pleasure. He just it's he does it doesn't even matter. He just loves a well told tale. Well, it's amazing to see um, the different angles that help him in his career, but also you know just make him that much of a better narrator um, because of his love for books. As you're pointing out, right? He's like, can I please take these on myself? And then. Uh, also the writing aspect of it so he's he's kind of covering all parts of the field oh yeah oh yeah he he's he's a he's just doing everything i mean he's he's he has written a novel i i can't seem to find it anywhere so i guess it hasn't <laughs> been actually published but but we do wonder it's called insight oddly enough so yeah he hid it in plain insight or something <laughs> uh, but uh he's um you know the speculation is like, will he narrate his own novel? I, you know, one doesn't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't there a movie he was kind of involved in that didn't he, come out either? Yeah, I think it's still oddly enough in the works for twenty years. But he was hired in two thousand by Morgan Freeman and Revelations Entertainment to help adapt um, Arthur C. Clarke's Rendezvous with Rama for the big screen. And I think I would have heard of it if it was out. No kidding. I, I like Arthur C. Clarke, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we're waiting. We're waiting on two Scott Brick projects. Scott, let us know where it at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so when did he start writing? Like, is is this kind of publicized? Was he always into the writing aspect as well? Uh, I think he just started writing throughout his acting career and stuff. You know, in the eighties and nineties for all these magazines and that kind of thing. Uh, Toy Fair, uh, Wizard. Um, so the very sort of comic con sci-fi fantasy stuff um i haven't read any of his articles unfortunately but mm. um, i'm sure there's book reviews i'm sure who knows what there is like 
he might have written short stories. I don't yeah. know. I haven't. I honestly haven't read that part of his life much. But, uh, you know, he he he's obviously prolific and doesn't stop ever. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious about what he's really, really known for now um, in terms of, you know, what he narrates, because it seems like he was doing a lot of sci-fi writing in the younger days. And then um, his Shakespearean background, like you said, it reminds me of all the other narrators we've featured so far with all their Shakespearean background and acting uh, and theater. <laughs> and so now what what kind of narration is he doing? Uh, well, there's just, there's a lot of different stuff. Yeah, I mean, 800 um, books. He's, he's written, he's narrated, uh, you know, things like Mystic River by Dennis Lehane. Um, people really, really cottoned onto that one. Uh, the, he's involved in, in much of the Dune, uh, series in various ways, in various different productions, because he loves Frank Herbert and the Dune, uh, the, the, the Dune universe, um he's of course he's narrated several you know action adventure type stuff i read actually last week i read uh in cold blood by truman capote which mm. is um a true a sort of major amazing sort of true crime non-fiction novel type book it's a it's a strange uh a strange book and and, uh, you know, someone told a story to Scott that she was she's working on the Hillary Clinton campaign. She's running through the different states and in every state she wanted to read a thematic, a thematic audiobook. So when she's in Kansas, which is where this home invasion and gruesome murder took place in the 50s, um, she started reading this book and she was at a gas station really late at night. And I guess she was listening to Scott and. And it was. She thought she could see the house in the distance, <laughs> no. and she was so freaked out she couldn't get out of the car for twenty minutes. Ooh, and uh, and Scott awesome. Brick, Scott Brick sort of said in the interview, "Well, I think it was her imagination, you know." But but really, he's a very atmospheric narrator, yeah. it, and yet subtle too. Like really cool stuff. I mean, um, if you can help paint a picture, I I can barely go through stairwells just listening to any scary audiobook, It by Stephen <laughs> King. I, yeah. Oh gosh. I couldn't go through stairwells for months, man. <laughs> Mostly because the book was so long, it lasted me months. But anyway, I know, I know. <laughs> but it's great, yeah. it's a great audio production, though that one. I know it really is. But absolutely, mm. you know, you're talking atmospheric, and I immediately think the hardware that we use to listen to audiobooks as well. If you got some good headphones going with the the nice production value that you get from audiobooks mm-hmm. these days, even if it's just straight narration. Um, that can really make an audiobook feel chilling. Yeah. Yeah. And what I like about Scott is that he 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 pauses sometimes. And some people get frustrated when narrators pause. They just want to speed it up and get the story going, mm. you know, do the digital speed up thing that we have now, which I've never That's understood. The old I'm not, me, Sarah. I'm not that sort of I'm not that sort of person. I (laughs) just can't do it. But because someone's talking to me and I want to hear them talk. And so, but he he says, you know, sometimes pausing the silence is as important as the words Mm. because it's giving you the idea of how someone's avoiding confronting an issue or, you know, that kind of thing. Right. So, wow. Yeah. That mm. is very, very powerful. And and hearing that from a narrator, not just coming to that, oh, you know, ourselves or our perspectives of it, but hearing why he does what he does, because it could be, you know, an easy note from a, an editor to be like, you got to speed it up, right? You, you don't 
take out all the pauses. And he says, no, they're deliberate. And this is why. That's that's the theater side of it coming through. And the storyteller side, too. Yeah. And he's also paying it forward. He's won all these earphone awards from Audiophile magazine of 60, over 60, over 60 I believe. Yeah. Five Audi awards. He's been inducted in 2018 into the Audible Writers Hall or Narrators Hall of Fame. I keep messing that up. It's Narrators Hall of Fame. Mm. <laughs> and that's who started this Narrators Hall of Fame is Audible. And they started it in 2017. So now we know that. There you go. Uh, so he's the second, one of the second group to be inducted. And uh, he, he just, he he teaches narration. He has resources on his website for people that want to get into narration, and he's apparently he's writing a book about it too, like an instructional kind of how to how to start narrating. Wow. So he's he's paying it forward too, which is really great. This is awesome, and I I want to get into some quick things before we got to let you go, Sarah. Um, he really puts a lot of effort into his his reading. No, like the materials that he's about to read or prepping to read, or he he does, yeah. yeah. He he looks up pronunciations. He he talks to authors when he can. One time he read a book that was really meaningful to him while he was going through cancer treatment, and and oh, wow. it was you know it was behind schedule and the and everything. But the the company didn't say, well, we can't use you anymore. They just they just worked with him. They they loved him that much that they were willing to to just get behind him during this horrible time. And, you know, he'd fall asleep at the studio, that kind of thing, because of the chemo and stuff. And and they just kept going, though, and they kept helping him. And uh, that's he was really grateful for that, too. That would be um, something that, you know, it, it feels like the probably the most memorable part of your career, right? Like you're so down, yeah. far down the line. You've done so much. Um, and you're probably even wondering if it's something that you can continue doing well that that's what I would have wondered and then to have um the company back you up that way is wonderful wow yeah yeah it's great and then uh we're referring to him as the readers and writers narrator why is that well he he really believes in uh in in helping the reader to go through a story the way that an author does so like in a mystery story for example there's always the person that you that everybody thinks killed the was the murderer right mm-hmm. the most horrible person in the world that fun had to be the murderer right <laughs> and the, of course it's never true and so scott you know tries to really play up this murderer character this obvious murderer character making him totally unlikable totally like he had to have done it, he had to have done it. and then the, the real killer's just sitting there in the background kind of going and then he just pops up and it's like oh it's that person oh my gosh you know so he really tries to to, to bring the reader along the way an author would if you were reading the story. Uh, oh, that's he, amazing. He feels that, yeah, he feels really strongly about that. That's amazing. My, the voice in my head would never be able to do it that way. You know, if I was reading, let's say, the, the synthetic audio. <laughs> would, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. exactly. <laughs> uh, everyone's just as suspicious as everybody else. And he started his own studio. He did in 2007, Brick by Brick Audio, and uh, again, because of Chronicles of Thomas Covenant, but he's done several things with it uh, going going forward, um, and uh, yeah, he just, he, he, but he still works for commercial, yeah. like for big companies too. That's amazing. I'm, I, I really appreciate this conversation because, and this is where we started the segment, right? Like to get to know the narrator and not just because you, you know, love them as they're reading, but this is like a solid example of someone who 
dedicates um, so much, so much of their time, their effort, their capability, uh, and their heart and soul into what they do. And, you know, they're, they're probably making the big bucks, but it's really worth it for them because they're doing it so with so much love and care. Well, I would say if he's making big bucks, it's because he's doing 700 things at once. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I mean, first of all, good on you for doing so much research into this individual um, because I feel like we can appreciate him way more now uh, and and as we go through the list of 800 audio books that he's yeah, <laughs> yeah amazing Sarah well thank you so much you're welcome it's been fun yeah I'm excited to see who we have on the docket for October and we'll chat with you then Ooh, yeah yeah Sarah Hill is joining us once a month near the start of the month to give us a Know Your Narrator segment. And that's a wrap for AMI Audiobook Review for this week. I'm your host, Ramia Amuthan. And until next time, happy audiobook listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.